When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. My name is DJ Wildridge, and with me today, I have a very special guest. Introduce yourself to the kids at home. Ah, you're copping out like you said. I am Benny the Comic Storian. I run a YouTube channel known as Comic Storian. We recap your favorite comic books. We talk about all the stuff happening in the world of comic books. And we also run two uh, Twitch channels, Comic Storian for Twitch Podcasts and Comic Storian Gaming, where we all just goof around and play games. That's all the promotion stuff. I comic story and you Google it. I come up all over the place. He's all <laughs> over town. Well, speaking of gaming and stuff like that, is there, we'd like to start every episode by talking about what we're into this week. Is there something you're watching or playing that you're enjoying and you want to share with the class? Uh, so I was waiting for watchdogs Legion and I signed up for that Ubisoft connect thing. And I saw for honor and I downloaded it. And for some weird reason, I've been playing that. <laughs> that tells you how dry my game catalog has gotten if I'm playing For Honor story mode. <laughs> so I, I'm not familiar with For Honor. Uh, explain it to me. Uh, it's it's like this game that came out like four years ago, and it tanked. I remember when it first came out. And the concept is it's kind of like a fighting game, but it's third person with Weird. more realistic blocking and fighting mechanics. But you're like Vikings, knights, and like ninjas. Okay. And okay. you just battle it out. You got to block and you got to fight. But I don't know when they added it. But they came out with like a fully fleshed out story mode with cutscenes and everything. So just been playing that all week. <laughs> That's crazy. I, for me, my um, I tend to get games um, later on in time because I, I, I'm a cheap boy. I like to save my money. And so as the uh, quarantine prolonged itself, I ended up going back to games that I just for some reason missed that were huge. And I was like, I'll get them. But then I didn't get them. So uh, at the time, so Bioshock Infinite, I played that for the first time over the summer. And okay. uh, L.A. Noir, oh, way old. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I did a similar thing. I'm going th- I, on the side. I'm going through Ori and the Will of the Wisp finally, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. and I finally beat Red Dead Redemption. But that's like a two year span. Like you're you're talking like thirteen year span. I'm right? talking. Yeah, I'm talking a long time. I'm talking a long. So wait. So you're saying you just beat Red Dead Redemption too? Yeah, just beat it, and, and then I tried to play Red Dead online, and that just got boring eventually, mm-hmm. but I just beat the main story. So. I was doing Red Dead online a lot over the summer, and then the friend I was playing with uh, moved, and so he got distracted into other things, and once I didn't have somebody to play with, I also burned out. So, so I Yeah, got- well, I was having a great time with my friends, and we kind of capped out everything there is to do in the game, and then we're like... Well, you know, we have like 50 hours online. I think we got our money's worth, you know, plus the story mode. <laughs> it blows my mind how much Rockstar is able to pack into a single game, considering the full full online component. I don't know how you were with Red Dead Redemption 2. That, that was months of my time. Oh, it took me, I'd say, probably about a month. I'd do about an hour or two a night. And you know how long that game takes. Like, mm-hmm. it takes forever. I get done with work. Wife's still doing her thing. So I have like that brief window of like an hour or two where no one wants to play games where everyone from work is getting home. She's doing her thing and no one bugs me. <laughs> there you go. That's the perfect, my, my wife works nights. So my game time is usually if she's off at work, it's like, yeah, this is me time. I'm playing, I'm playing <laughs> uh, Bioshock infinite or LA noir. <laughs> LA noir. Well, you really are going back. I'm going back. At least, at least tell me you're doing the remaster. At least uh, the yes. remaster. Of course. Okay. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Just, just beat it. I really enjoyed it. I will say whenever it tried to do more ambitious things, like you're going to solve the uh, black Dahlia case. I was like, mm, no, <laughs> I just give me normal crimes. <laughs> yeah. The only problem I ever had with it was I felt like, cause you, you, you have that, you sit down and you interrogate people. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I played the LA Noir, it's been a while, but I remember the biggest issue I had was he's either like super friendly, like it's okay. We're going to work this out. We're going to do it. Or he's like, tell me the answer. Yes. Why are you so extreme, man? <laughs> well, and, and you get like, um, you get some characters that are clearly like assholes that you're supposed to like rip into, but the correct response is not bad cop. But you're right. You're so used to bad cop being like, hey, man, it's all good. It's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to reply that way to this guy. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> 
he clearly is the murderer. I, uh, I know it. I get, how do I? Where's the Where's the accusation button? Like mm-hmm. final answer. I know it's him. I'll just submit. Give, uh, give me. Put this guy in prison for me. Uh, but <laughs> for me, the thing I'm into this week is I've had a few uh, people on the show that have been talking about Raised by Wolves on HBO Max, and my wife and I finally caught up and watched it. Have you watched it at all? No, my brother keeps telling me to watch that one, but the only reason I didn't is he got all the way through it and he says the ending gave you no answers and gives you more questions and we don't know what season two is dropping. Oh, yes. That is very much the case. Um, so I was like, well, that sounds kind of like Westworld, where if you watch it all in, in one fell swoop, you're golden. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it and you know when it came out, you're screwed. Yes. Yeah, I think that's an accurate description. I think um, overall, I really enjoy it. For for the kids at home that maybe didn't see our, our previous episodes, basically, humanity is fucked. We fucked up the planet. We're leaving the planet. It's primarily a war between a religious group called the Mithraic and atheists. Um, and all the resources are held by the Mithraic and they come in a giant flotilla to this new planet. Whereas the atheists send a pod of, of uh, basically fetuses that become babies that are raised by two androids and conflicts ensue on this planet where it's very, especially by the end of the series, it's very clear weird shit is going on on this planet. Like this, this planet is out to get the people that are there. And I love a lot of the concepts it dives into, a lot of the idea of nature versus nurture, about what makes somebody human, all that stuff. However, uh, going to your brother's point, it is incredibly plot oriented where like we'll just kind of like gloss over characters and like their motivations and get to the next like literally every episode is like wait what wait what what the wait what you know what I mean it just barrages you with like twists and turns which are interesting but it's like, t- take a breath, like just tap, tap the brake a little bit and give me more time with like, why does this person want to do this? <laughs> right, right. So I, mean, I normally love shows like that. You know, the big mystery, the long, you, 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 you invest yourself for multiple years, like lost in things like that. Yeah. And you get the payoff. Sometimes you don't get the payoff, like lost in some things like that. Yeah. But <laughs> I like that kind of format. And that's why when he was talking about, it, I was excited, but he says season one doesn't resolve anything. So I'm like, well, let's, 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 maybe we can wait. Maybe we can just watch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that might be a good way. And I, I do kind of hope they have a whole thing in mind. Like uh, HBO Max is like, we're going to give you three seasons. They're like, all right, we got three seasons to do this. Because if they don't, and they end on one of these cliffhangers, the show will feel like a massive waste of time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, I, and, and for me, like, I think enough, I feel like when you're making a show, like, I would avoid the big mystery show like the plague because it almost feels like it doesn't matter how you pay off the mystery. Nobody's going to fucking like it. Like if you hold out seven seasons to like for a payoff, everybody's going to have their own opinions and just hate whatever you do. Oh yeah. That's, that's the problem with shows that run too long. I love shows that go like two, three seasons max and they resolve the plot. Maybe we'll move on to something else, but like the core plots are all resolved. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to try to wait for the seven season, eight season kind of payoff. Uh, One of my favorite shows is supernatural because they do that. Like they pay off first five seasons paid off. Well, then they had like a two season, three, like they, they constantly pay off very well. And they play on that. All the way to 15 seasons now. Technically, I guess 16 with that weird year gap. But Yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> it is interesting that you bring that up because our fans are constantly like, you guys should watch Supernatural. I'm like, it's 15 seasons deep. I'm not, I can't at this point. Like, it's <laughs> that, that train has left the station. Are the final season is starting soon right or started it's already started yeah they're on the lat they're like three episodes into it maybe four now the the thing with supernatural i've so so far this show has paid off great there's a weird lull because the way the show was structured it was supposed to end at five and it was doing well so then like six and seven are kind of like we don't know what we're doing so we're just gonna throw bigger badder monsters at you yeah but they kind of got back on track by eight nine with like an overarching plan and the only complaint I have about this finale and without going heavily into spoiler territory, just in case your viewers haven't watched it, cause it is 15 and they might be getting there. <laughs> um, it's kind of a shift from the overall idea, not in a terrible way as it play, it pays off from a lot of stuff that was planted previous seasons, yeah. but the overall shift of what's going on is having some fun payoff, like fourth wall breaking payoff and some stuff where you're like, is this really Sam and Dean fighting a monster anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we fighting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, especially you're it, something that long. It's, it is easy. It, I would imagine it's easy for a show like that to kind of lose the through line of like, wait, wait, what are we doing now? Like, and especially well, they've done a great job of keeping the through line. Like they had that weird lull in the middle, but they've kept it all the way to this point. 
But now we're at a point where you're either in for for that payoff. I mean, I, I could spoil it if you want. I don't think you're about to go watch 15 seasons. I am not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, they could, kind of, the through line for the entire thing is that a character named Chuck has been writing stories about Sam and Dean, mm-hmm. fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you discover about like 11, 12, maybe, <laughs> that he's actually God writing the story of Sam and Dean. Why? And, and then we discover by 15, 14, 15, he's doing this in multiple universes. Why? And Sam and Dean are basically like a fun show for him. Yeah. And so it turns around that once they learn this, they want to fight against him for it. So it becomes this weird thing where like a weird meta, there's a whole episode where God removes them as the heroes of the plot. So they lose plot armor, which what is one of my favorite fuck? ideas and concepts. Yeah. Cause like one character loves to eat burgers every episode and he's like, Oh, my cholesterol is super high. That's, that's not a problem you have to deal with unless you're not a main character. Their car breaks down. And like somebody makes a comment, like you haven't fixed this in like 15 years. Why, why did it even go this long? Like no one brought it into the shop. You, <laughs> You son of a bitch, you might get me to watch 15 seasons of this show just to get to that <laughs> shit. Just to get to that yeah. I love that. Because it hypes to it all the way through, and then that's the big payoff. It's like, oh. And so this whole season has been them vi- versi- fighting against the idea that there are characters in a story. Wow. Is what it really boils down to. That's nuts. That's, <laughs> that's the crazy shit you get to. It's like, I remember, and this is kind of a segue in our conversation today, getting into comics. My, my gateway into that was non-sports trading cards. My dad would get me these like Spider-Man cards and they would have, they would describe the events or the backstory. And you read some of them of like, Ame was dead, but now she's back. And then she married Dr. Octopus and they got the board. And you're like, <laughs> what? And it's, it's only within the context of like, oh, these stories have been going on for like 50 plus years that it's like, well, right. we've done everything. <laughs> Oh, and that's that's kind of it, because like I think it's like thirteen. The the big question they ask is why is there always a bigger bad? Why are we always fighting something stronger? And it's kind of like alluded to. There's a reason. Like th- this yeah. is like a, this is a show. This is a story you're telling. So that I don't want to spoil anything else in case you do actually go watch it. But it was, here's the thing ahead. that really it's less than fifteen seasons and more about the fact that you know. For different different shows we did, I watched all of the CW superhero shows, and for yeah. the most part, I enjoyed them. But I know that some of those episodes are trash because it's twenty plus episodes a season. Yes, and so I got to assume as much as Supernatural fans love Supernatural, I'm gonna have to wade through some trash. The pro- the thing with it, other than like the two seasons in the middle I mentioned, and mm-hmm. the only problem with those is that there is there doesn't appear to be a through line. Because okay. there is a plot that goes to season five. Like, mm-hmm. that's the core plot, and it resolves. They end it. And you could tell that the intention was, well, if we end here, this is the ending. Yeah. And then season six and seven, they were trying to get an idea of what direction they were going into, and then mm-hmm. they started picking it back up. But you can, uh, I because uh, one of my friends picked up and tried to catch up for the seasons. There's a list of, like, just skip this, skip this, skip this, Great. skip this. Yeah, so you can get oh, to where it's good again, kind oh, of a situation. No. This is where <laughs> I've come to in the uh, uh, quarantine. I might start watching Supernatural. <laughs> um, I mean, you can watch one through five, no problems, really. And then okay. at that point, if you got that far in, you're like, okay, now I got to see what I got to skip or just deal with it. <laughs> you, 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 sign up, you kind of sound like a drug dealer now. It's like, well, you just need this little bit of amount and then you'll be fine. You'll never want to do You won't have to watch the other seasons. <laughs> See, when it comes to the CW superhero shows, I always say they would be so much better if they had about like 15 episodes a season. I, you know, or even they less. Just cut down. Yeah. Even 13 would be perfect, I, which is why I actually liked the last season because Flash kind of broke it into two separate storylines. Yeah. I was like, this is what you got to do. Yeah. Like the problem with the Flash show and the superhero shows is comic books, yes, it takes 12 issues to get to a resolution, but that takes a year. Yep. It takes a year to get there. Yep. Your show comes out weekly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you tell Barry to run faster, Every other episode gets a little repetitive. Yeah. And I, Supernatural, I feel like, would get away with probably 15 to 18 episodes are solid, and then you just get a couple fluff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I, I totally agree with you. We, uh, we've talked a lot about that, too, where it's basically... I've, I've often suggested that I wish that it's like arrows in the winter and flash is in the spring. Like, you break yeah. them up, and because it's like it's all the same creative team anyway. Like, let them switch it up, but whatever. Uh, those shows. Let them cross over as the new one starts up. Exactly. But, you know, like Arrow's fighting Ra's al Ghul, and then Flash runs in to help him, and then we carry on. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, CW, give us a call. Um, uh, Danny M. I've tried ch- that for years. Doesn't work. <laughs> uh, Danny M. in the chat says uh, he's been into the Blood of Zeus anime and Queen's Gambit on Netflix. He also enjoyed Team NT The Last Ronin. 
Um, and those are some of the things that he is into this week. But I think that is a good segue into our main conversation for today, okay. which is last Ronin. Last Ronin. Show. Did you read it? <laughs> no, I'm halfway in it, and then like I gotta get on the show with you, and oh. then I'll finish it after. It's open literally on this screen. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I stalled. It. I I enjoyed it. It felt like a it felt like a throwback to like comics when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, I can't speak to the quality of this, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a Kevin Eastman thing. It's about 50-50 on the quality. Right? Uh, but turtles are going to kill people. <laughs> that's all I'm here for, is the further turtles to kill people. <laughs> Speaking of people killing people, um, <laughs> let's talk about this week we saw the release of the third issue of The Three Jokers, which has been um, a, a big event that's been hyped up since the Dark Side War in D.C., uh, it's kind of feels like in a way like Jeff Jones swung song and writing comics because now he's working on Stargirl. Uh, yes. And I left this series feeling weird about it. Uh, so I was I was very grateful when you uh, were able to come on and chat about it with me. Uh, three Jokers. What the fuck? What the what? what, 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 what? So, for so those, yeah, go for it. Apparently, we seem to agree on this, but I have a very unpopular opinion, as I discovered when I posted mine on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I think it's a terrible Joker story. I think the problem with this story is that he hyped up this whole thing with the Mobius chair and like omniversal kind of stuff with Darkseid and, oh, Batman doesn't know the answers to who the three Jokers are and stuff like that. Yeah. And then something happened in these four years where the original plan did not happen. And DC was like, people won't shut up. You have to write this story, but you can't use anything you did in Darkseid War. <laughs> like that. that's... Yeah. Because if it was just supposed to be this ground level Batman versus the Joker story, why was it implied in Dark Side War of all things? Yeah. Like Batman became the god of knowledge mm-hmm. to discover who the Joker is. And then we get into the the three Jokers and he's like, there's three Jokers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you found out when you were on that chair. Yeah, you remember? <laughs> yeah, you know, but Superman was the god of strength and Flash was the god of death. This whole thing happened. I, yeah, um, I don't know if you recall, but it was kind of a big deal at the time. Well, ex- exactly, and that's and that's why I'm like, I don't feel like whatever he his original plan was happened because that happened, and then we had DC Rebirth because they were having problems with sales at the time. Yeah, and I feel like his original plan got thrown out, and so he's written his version of the Red Hood storyline, in my opinion. Yeah, he, like with the getting together with Batgirl, with Batman and Red Hood discussing it, and I think it's a great alternate take on Red Hood. I think it's a terrible Joker story Yeah, because it's supposed to be the three Jokers and right at the get go, they give away, Oh, there's literally three Jokers, just three guys yeah. being the Joker. Yeah. And they don't explain anything about them other than the killing joke Joker. Yeah. And they just like unceremoniously to kill off both of them. Yeah. I, I get it. J- J- Jason finally got his, his justice. He got to finally kill his Joker. Yeah. But the problem with, for me, that is even at the moment of killing them, the question was brought up. That I get the right one. Yeah. Like that, that, that that's not you didn't get the the feeling of Jason killing the Joker. Yeah, Jason of killing a guy in clown makeup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh that you actually speak to a question we have um from the Discord. Danny says, uh, was this book just a way to canonize the killing joke? Because it does kind of end on that note, basically saying that the Joker we're left with is probably the killing joke joker. While I would think so, they made it black label and have clearly stated it's not canon. Thank God. So <laughs> they've come straight out and said it's black label so that if DC wants to, they can canonize it. And if they don't want to, by default, it is not canon. Yeah. So unless they come out like they did with Killing Joke, where they're like, okay, that is canon because Batgirl got shot and everything. Um, unless they come out and say that, this is a black label book. It stays on like Batman Damned and mm-hmm. Batman The Last Night on Earth. Just its own story separate from everything. Uh, I'm going to miss the black label when it's gone. Uh, not this story, though. Um, yeah, I, it was interesting because I don't know. Uh, you're right. The continuity of this book is 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 dubious because it is whether they want to pick it up or not. But I also don't know what he wanted to accomplish because I don't know what adding the idea that multiple people have been to the Joker I don't see how it enriches the mythos in any real way. He didn't do it in a way that would enrich the mythos because he brought it up like, I mean, the whole idea is, oh, Batman knew who the origin of the Joker was at the beginning. Okay, if that were true, then why did Batman even question the three Joker thing? Why did the world's greatest detective not catch on that there are three Jokers? You mean to tell me that these three individuals look the exact same until they don't? (laughs) Now everyone can figure it out? Like, (laughs) 
Yeah. Like the, the, the general idea that Jeff Johns presented doesn't even make that much sense for the Bat family to have never figured out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it, it, I think that's a really great point. And I just think, I, I think for me personally, as a reader, I'm feeling Joker fatigue. Like I, I could take a break from Joker stories because it feels like every time there's a new one, it feels like, oh, this is the take. We're going to completely revolutionize the, who the character is. Oh my God. Uh, and it's just like, I, I think, for me, at least, part of the appeal of the Joker is the simplicity of the character. He's yeah. a guy that looks like I a like clown. the chaotic nature. Yes. He has no answers. Yeah. Like, it's just always different. He likes to kill people. He looks like a clown. We don't know who he is. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he should be. And I agree with you on the Joker fatigue. Because one thing I lo- I've always argued that DC villains are better than Marvel villains. And that's because Marvel likes to hammer a villain in nonstop. Mm-hmm. Until they literally turn that villain into a good guy. Yep. Like name, name a Marvel villain that hasn't at some point fought for the side of good. Yeah. DC villains stay DC villains, and they have so many they constantly rotate them. Yeah. But I feel like every year now, for the last like ten years, we've had a Joker story. Yeah. When we used to never see the Joker. Yeah. It, it, like seeing the Joker was that special occasion. Yep. Not all right. It's December. No, like, <laughs> time, for, time for a new joke and it's also when you're talking about black label you know so many of the black label books even though their own continuity are very joker centric and yeah. i remember when i was getting back into comics uh, uh from a little from a little reprieve or a break um was during grant morrison's run on batman and he did treat joker like we're not doing joker until i've got something to say about the joker you know what i mean right until he we can really do something with it. and that's where you get like the clown at midnight and all that all those stories that i think are really great um and it and like you said, it's just like like clockwork. We get another Joker story, and, and I actually enjoyed. I, I kind of don't pick up Batman books on the reg because there have been a lot over the years. Um, but I picked up Joker War, and I liked a lot of what that book was doing. But I don't felt like it needed to be a Joker story. No, it definitely didn't. I actually would have liked the idea if you if you read the prelude to, the prelude to it, the designer plot. Mm-hmm. If it was the designer who did that, that character design was great. Like the Moriarty to Batman. Yeah, and they oh, it's the Joker. And I'm like, I was like, on one hand, cool, Joker's gonna take over Gotham again. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Joker's gonna take over Gotham again. Again, like yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to know what you think about the something. I, I reading this book and, and reading Joker War. It feels like every time we do a new Joker story, the writer really like zooms in on this idea of like, why doesn't Batman kill the Joker? And there's never a good answer. He really just should. And, and I kind of wish writers yeah, oh, yeah. would just like drop it because it, it it takes me out of the story because it's like you're not going to give me a good answer because every literally every Joker story and, and I guess maybe it's fresher on my mind because uh, Joker War and Three Jokers are back to back and he's killing dozens of even three jokers which is technically more grounded he's killed like dozens of people just within that story it's like yeah you should drop him off a clip like it's not yeah. everybody's like oh jason why'd you shoot him why didn't you shoot him <laughs> i i find it funny when it, the comic books do that because it actually reminds me of a lot of what video games do mm-hmm. like a lot of games that like to do the moral choice like yeah. okay i gotta go kill this super villain who can potentially kill tons of people and I'll kill a hundred gangsters to get to him mm-hmm. and he'll kill a hundred civilians. And then I get to the villain and it's like, do you want to let him live? No, <laughs> I should not let him live. Like, <laughs> and I feel like that's the Joker every time. Like Batman like breaks the bones of every henchman on the way there. Joker has murdered an entire theater of people. <laughs> they both have done massive amounts of property damage. And Batman gets there. He's like, all right, but I'm sending you to prison. Those guys I've paralyzed, but you're going to prison. Like it doesn't make sense. Like just, you gotta just get rid of them. I actually like the Zack Snyder Batman where he's just willing to kill or let you be killed. You know what I mean? Like just makes more sense because you're not Superman. You can't technically save everyone. Yeah. Well, and also a credit to, and I think a lot of this conversation came from the success of the dark Knight. but credit where credit is due to the dark Knight. In that in that series, when he puts Joker away, guess who doesn't come back? Joker. I mean, obviously, there's real world reasons for that, but like, right? That Joker gets put away and he stays away. <laughs> yeah, and that's one that you put Joker away once and he stays away for like 20 years and happens to break out. Okay, <laughs> I guess I guess I could kind of see your argument. Yeah, but on the 20th time the Joker's broken out, like even the ending of Joker, where he just leaves him tied up with a bomb. Yeah, and it's like, and Harley makes a big statement of like, this is it. This is the time where you decide. I'm just like, I actually wish this comic had the balls to straight up have Batman shoot. Give me that cliffhanger. Batman shoots Joker in the face, and then your next arc is like, what does Batman do now? He shot Joker in the face. Well, the worst part is in the Tom King run, Batman fought against KG Beast for shooting Nightwing. 
Uh, KGB shot Nightwing. Batman tracked him down to this cabin out in the middle of the snow. Basically paralyzed him. He's also walled up KGBs in a in like a stone prison year like in before. He's just left these people to die. And then the Joker is like, oh, the Joker can get out. Like, <laughs> why are you going to let him get out? Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, Joker, you can free yourself from the bomb. Take the tools. Leave Joker with the bomb. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just let let him go. And also like. Or, or let's do an arc where we legitimately decide that, like, no, Batman, Batman has a crush on Joker. He, he's in love with the dude. He doesn't want to let him go. Uh, apparently, he's got that. Joker has that animal magnetism. I don't know about you. I've always assumed the Joker smells. I just always get a feeling, no matter how attractive the actor we get to play the Joker, I'm like, that dude probably smells. Uh, yeah, I mean, they don't look like they shower too often. I can't picture like a supervillain being like, hold on, guys, I need to go shower with my Old Spice body wash, you know. <laughs> so you brought it up when you were talking about it. You talked about the Batgirl Red Hood stuff. And I, I heard some people push back on this, but I actually thought the idea of those two getting together kind of, it, it wasn't handled great here, but I could see that working. I could see that working because I, I the Nightwing Batgirl thing's great, but I think we've just explored it a lot. Agreed. Because it, it I, we've we've never really explored the like we explored even the Tim Drake Batgirl thing over in the Arkham series. Mm-hmm. We've never explored Jason getting more like integrated into the Bat family because yeah. he was such a villain until the New Fifty Two. Yeah. And then they just did such a good job of being like, okay, well he's over here mm-hmm. with the outlaws because yeah. it doesn't make sense in the Bat family. So I'd love to see him get more integrated in there. It, it, doesn't help though because I kind of puts Batgirl like at this point now Batgirl's been with Tim Drake uh, Nightwing uh, Tim Drake Dick Grayson and Jason mm-hmm. so I made a joke like as soon as Damien turns 18 yeah, we're gonna, gonna get go. some plot <laughs> hey listen Stephanie Brown's there I mean I don't know if she's 18 <laughs> but anyway um, yeah but it's just I thought the connecting them through well, I, I also feel like the Batgirl Nightwing relationship is a little played out I think they're too yeah. similar for me I like I like it more when he's like Nightwing's with Starfire or whatever but considering their shared trauma, considering the difference in their personalities, like I think there could be something here. The note on the door was silly, but uh, the idea <laughs> also... I, there's Jason somebody... doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to write a love letter and be like, I hope she reads it. Yeah. Uh, here's <laughs> tape. Uh-oh, there's dust on this door. Don't worry. The tape will stick. The tape will stick. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. He's using like 50 cents Walgreens, like scotch tape. Like <laughs> this has been, this tape has been in my pocket for a week. Here we go. Um, I also didn't love, this is a weird nitpick. I didn't like Red Hood's costume in it. I didn't like that. He had like the Robin tunic under the jacket. Like there's so many cool Red Hood costumes. Why are you giving him the Robin tunic? Yeah. So um, Jeff Johns did doomsday clock. Jeff Johns has done this. What is Jeff John's deal with Alan Moore, do you think? I don't know, but I ranted about this. I'm getting uh, – look, I I like classic comics in this cinematic way of telling a story. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with this is if you don't do it well, you're wasting real estate. And I don't feel like Jeff John's does it well. Mm-hmm. It has its moments. It lets artwork shine through. But when I get three pages of people walking around an apartment, yeah. that's not being done well in my opinion because yeah. that's just wasted real estate. You're not revealing anything. You're not building up to something. You're showing people walk around a building and that's just to me goes he wanted to get three more pages out of this and just gave the work to jason fabic yeah like <laughs> that's what it looks like to me i don't like the way he handles this the nine page thing he had what two pages of her dogs the dogs barked batman walked up behind them that could have easily been condensed down we you've already got a story that's limited to three issues why are you not filling as much lore and plot and explanation in here why did we get to the ending and i don't know anything about old man joker or the one who died <laughs> like, but we have three pages of walking around an apartment. Yeah. I don't understand his, it, I don't understand what he's doing with this, why he really, and you can almost tell, because if you didn't know this, when Jeff Johns kind of left DC back in 2015, it was for movies and then TV shows. Yeah. So you could tell he wants to be a director, mm-hmm. but he keeps getting pulled back in to do, you know, Doomsday Clock or yeah. to do uh, Three Jokers. And you could tell that you could just see the way he's describing these panels. I think there was a whole page about a raccoon. Yeah. Like that, that would be a right. great opening to a TV show. Mm-hmm. I, you've wasted a page of my comic though. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like when you're talking about that, 
I think a lot of uh, comic writers, especially when they're trying to ape Alan Moore, there's this idea they're you're trying to reach this deep dramatic level that what the problem with superheroes, if you don't do it well, it, it just, it just slides into melodrama. And I felt like this yeah. comic slid into melodrama. And I just, I think for me, like I've, I've written a couple comics. I'm, I'm working on some new projects now. Uh, the last person in the world I would want my work compared to is Alan Moore and any of his collaborators, because guess oh, what? Yeah. I'm not going to look great. If you're comparing my work to Watchmen, my work's not going to look that great. You know what I mean? Because I'm not Alan Moore. Uh, I just, I'm just not, you know? Every time Alan Moore did that cinematic stuff, I felt like it built it to something. It got yeah. it got us to a point. It, it, it elevated the story. Yeah. But every time Jeff Johns did it in Doomsday Clock or in here, it was just, I almost felt pretentious to me. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm going to tell you a story about a raccoon that Joker might run over. <laughs> oh, I don't care. What yeah. about the Joker driving the truck? Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's one of those, like, I think play to your strengths. And, and I think you're right that Jeff Jones hasn't really, it doesn't feel like he's played to his strengths in a while now. Do you think, cause I, as far as I know, there are no more projects. He's, he's show running super or star girl, excuse yeah. me, which is a full-time gig. Are, are you, do you think we're kind of like done with Jeff Johns comics for the foreseeable? future i do and to play on his strength i feel like he does great world building just look at what he did with the green lanterns over 10 years yeah. or even wally west he's good with world building he's not good with these one-offs i don't think yeah. a great person for the one-offs is tom king tom king does great 12 issue spreads yeah. jeff johns does great 100 issue things that all pay off in the ending yeah and i i don't sadly i think between what the way wb and dc treated him with the movies where he was brought on and then he was the scapegoat and then he was you know put on the tv shows and then he was the scapegoat yeah. they keep putting him in roles and then making him the scapegoat before anything that he did can actually come to fruition yeah i feel like he's basically done i don't yeah. see him coming back to bring green lantern back to its heyday <laughs> or to do another flash run or even do a dark side war yeah because obviously he had something planned and dark side war just got canceled at the end yeah like, yeah, and uh, you know, and and he's probably making more money doing Stargirl than he was writing comics. If we're being honest, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy. It's notorious that comic writers don't make any money unless they're doing like fifty books. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but the more books they do, it tends the quality tends to dip. I always like. Do there's, one or two. there's only a couple of writers that I feel they can. Donny Cates is up there. Yeah. Scott Snyder's up there. James Tinian's up there. That their quality doesn't seem to dip. Yeah. But then there's ones like Bendis, who I love his work when he does it right. Yeah. You can almost tell the ones that Bendis took for a paycheck and the ones that he took because he wanted to. Yeah. You know, like you can yeah. tell the difference. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So let's talk about um, the future of DC. In a lot of ways, Three Jokers is kind of like a relic of DC's past. Uh, let's talk about Future State. That was a big announcement earlier in the month, right? Time bleeds together yeah. in COVID. Uh, let's I want say, to say about three weeks ago now. I don't know when I did the video, but like three weeks ago or so. They haven't said much since they announced it. That's so weird that it was three weeks ago, and I could swear to you it was you a know, lifetime ago. Anyway. I have, I have the article up. The official date on the article was 15th. Two weeks ago. What are, so when you saw Future State, what were your what were your thoughts on it? It's 5G. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, the 5G fan base has irritated the hell out of me because it was a leaked rumor mm -hmm. that the fans ran with, like from hating it to loving it to doing whatever. Yeah. Then it turned into, oh, it got canceled. And I'm like, it was never announced. Mm -hmm. It didn't get canceled. It yep. just didn't, it, never even it was a thing and now we have future state i feel like what happened is uh, it was pretty public did to do dc firing a bunch of people this is the remnants of 5g yeah. they paid for designs they paid for creative teams they paid for all this stuff so they're, they're getting it out uh you and i discussed before this that you felt it was like convergence i feel like it's exactly that yeah but i feel like this is what marvel did a few years ago all new all different marvel where they just changed the entire lineup yeah the big issue I had against that was they did it all at one time. Yeah. Robbie Reyes was great as Ghost Rider because we had other books. So if you really didn't like that change, you could read other books. Yeah. Uh, Miles Morales is great because you could read other books. Marvel did it all at once. And it was like, I, I don't have any classic hero to read anymore. You got rid of them all. Yeah. I feel like Future State's a great way to try out ideas like the new Wonder Woman or the new Green Lanterns because it's two months. 
If you're not digging it, don't worry. In three months, your heroes are back. If you are digging it, we're probably going to get it ongoing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if no, if if nothing else, like uh, it, there'll be a spinoff, like a tw- uh, yeah. 2099. It'll be in its own little pocket or whatever. Um, were there when you were looking through it? There was obviously uh, it felt like, if I remember correctly, it's we've got the the Bat family and the Super family, obvious. Uh, yeah. the, the justice league books, um, and then a few different stray titles. I think for me, I, it does. I did mention, like you said, before we were recording, it reminded me of convergence in that it's very kind of like plain that it's like, Hey, we're doing this to paper over some stuff while we do some major retooling behind the scenes. Yeah. I think for convergence, it was when they were moving their offices from New York to LA. This is obviously all the firing and the restructuring and all that stuff. This does seem more not to dunk on convergence. This seems more exciting to me. Um, convergence's problem was it was just a lot of stuff where it's like, remember this? Mm-hmm. I was going away in two months. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> remember when Superman was married. They had a kid <laughs> that you wish you knew more. that one worked out we just stayed tuned for that one and ended up that one ended up paying off in the long run um uh and so like this like you said i think it's a good way to try some stuff out i I got i i really appreciate it with the justice league lineup that the new far sector green lantern is a part of that justice league because i think she's been a really cool addition to to the green lantern core um i do like i like i like how she's in the future and i like how now that's paying off mm -hmm. like she's in the future so when we go to the future this is her yeah you know what i mean like yeah i I, because when they first came i love far sector i think it's a great story but i also was always like no this will never pay off this is going to be like batman beyond where every time they go to the future batman beyond's conveniently not there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and i think she's not to dunk on again kind of dismiss simon and jessica or whatever but there's just a lot of human green lanterns uh so it takes a lot for me to be like cool she was cool i i I, and i like that her it'll be interesting to see what brings her back to earth from far sector in this future for you were there any like standout stuff that like excited you more than than other things I like the idea of Supergirl becoming Superwoman because I'm curious yeah. how they're going to play into that. Like, I'm I'm hoping it's going to be more than just "Well, I got older." Like, <laughs> I want I want there to be a reason why she becomes that. I'm also really curious what they're doing with the Bat family because if we're if we're doing the original uh, Luke Fox becoming Batman storyline, but now we're just doing it in two issues, I really want to know what they're going to do because I felt Luke Fox in Batwing was like Iron Man Batman from the New 52 was one of the coolest ideas they did. Yeah. And then they just threw it out and never came back to it. So the idea that we're going back to it, I'm like, yes, what's going to happen to this? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited about that one. I'm also interested in what they're going to do with the Flash because Flash is always about time and all kinds of craziness. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, obviously I'm a big Superman fan, so I'm excited to see. I like the idea of Superman being off-world on War World uh, trying to free that planet and i liked that his son and i liked the the i can't remember who it was um but one of the the higher ups at dc made a point to point out that this isn't meant to be like a bleak dark future it's not like days of future past or whatever it's just a future and some things are better and some things are worse and we're going to explore those things um, I, I, I'm so happy about that because I'm so tired of every superhero future being dystopian. Yes. Marvel does dozens of them. DC's got like zombies and <laughs> militaristic Superman. Like everyone's got this dystopian future. Like superheroes are great until they're not. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> and I think that's just a really good way to, and it, for me, it shows like a, a good direction that DC's going in because for a long time they've struggled with are we optimistic or are we dark and brooding? Because yeah. that's kind of the core. That's, those are two of the cores of the DC universe. They're one of the most successful times of the Silver Age with the introduction of Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. And those are very optimistic, forward-thinking, futuristic, sci-fi, fun stories. Uh, it's when Superman's uh, multiplying himself and he's multiple colors. They're dicking around. They're having fun. But right. then the other big successes were Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns and just really like kick your teeth in dark. And so that's kind of created like a, a, a split personality in DC Comics. So I like the idea that like, hey, we all like our serious stories, but uh, maybe we don't need more three Jokers or Alan Moore knockoffs. Maybe we can explore <laughs> other things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I'm excited for something positive for once. Yeah. Like, even over in Marvel, they're doing, I think, the Dark Ages, they're calling it, where they're just like, it's 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 a future where electricity isn't a thing. Oh, cool. Like, <laughs> oh, another future that's evil. Yeah. <laughs> you guys really, if all these futures are evil, you guys really suck at your job. 
<laughs> exactly. You are no good at this job. Uh, it'd be I, mean, I think Batman Beyond did the best dystopian future. What happened to all the superheroes? Uh, we just don't talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't until we get that uh, Justice League episode. Batgirl <laughs> pilot, everybody. Um, uh, Brenda here says, I'd love to hear your takes on the new Wonder Woman. Any hopes, fears, general thoughts, etc." I, I've, I've seen a lot of hype around the new Wonder Woman and yeah. outside of the design being cool, I don't understand where a lot of the hype is coming from outside of the design being cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've said anything unless I'm missing it. The idea that a Brazilian Wonder Woman, I like that idea because she's always from this Greek world and this Greek thing. So the idea that there's another tribe, which is being introduced right now in the Wonder Woman comic is yeah. cool. But uh, there's a lot of hype around this character design. I, I just don't know where it's coming from. To be fair half of the battle for introducing a new character is having them look cool. I can't tell yeah. you as a kid how many characters I, I grafted onto just because their design looked cool. I mean, I mean, literally characters like Gwenpool and mm-hmm. Spider-Gwen entirely based on a cool design. Yes. So I almost feel like the amount of hype I'm seeing about this new Wonder Woman design, she's going to get her own book, especially right. since that tribe is being introduced in current continuity. Yeah. Uh, sp- uh, spoilers for everybody at home. If you didn't know, most of the things you like about Deadpool were not around when he was first introduced, but he did look cool. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It's all his look is what kept him around. Yeah. I think with Deadpool, because I have the originals, like 98, I want to say, is when mm-hmm. he first got introduced. Yeah. But it wasn't until about 2007, 2008 that the voices in his head was even a thing. Yep. Yeah. And, and the comedy didn't roll out to like 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's one of those, like looking cool is legitimately. I mean, if you looked at uh, Bob Kane's original design for Batman, that version of the character would not have been as successful. Yeah. Another great example is Red Hood. Red yeah. Hood is just a villain. And then as people latched onto that design became so much more now. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm excited for I guess the exciting part about Wonder Woman is the idea that because her characters never really expanded the mythos. It's always mm-hmm. been established Greek gods yeah. or Roman gods or whatever. So I think the idea of like getting something else other than Donna Troy is kind of a cool idea. Yeah. And because it's, it's pretty much only Donna Troy. That's the only expansion we've had. I, and I like the idea of her being Brazilian. I, I wonder if it's a little on the nose that she's like literally around the Amazon. Like she's Amazonian and <laughs> uh, by the actual Amazon. And uh, she works for Amazon. And uh, <laughs> she's a delivery person as well. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I, I, one thing I also want to mention that, that I think excites me is um, one of the standouts for me. I've been really enjoying um, James Tynan's uh, just like dark run. But uh, Rom V, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm probably not. Uh, jumped in on a one-shot Swamp Thing issue, and he's kind of taken over writing. And I really like his take on Swamp Thing. It's one of the few times in a very long time that it's like, oh, this is Swamp Thing. And he's doing a Future State Swamp Thing book. And so it's like very excited for that um, and very excited for Mark Russell, who was on the show a few weeks back. Um, He's doing a Lex Luthor book that I'm very excited to check out. Interestingly, though, that's and I think um, there's a few other like Becky Cloonan's writing a book. There's a few other like established names, but a lot of the names were people I'd never heard of before. It's create a team. I like that idea because it's giving more people a shot. As much as I like the creative teams that exist currently in DC, yeah. it, it does get a little tiresome to see the same people making the same stories and they kind yeah. of recycle. Because eventually they just start to recycle the same character voices or the same idea or the same concepts. And so it's cool when you latch onto these new writers, these new artists right away because you're like, oh man, I got to be in the early days when they weren't really sure of their work. So they yeah. threw out a lot of weird ideas yeah. instead of doing it for the check, which I mean, not to harp on Bendis. I do like his work, but <laughs> I do feel he got to a kind of a groove of this is the Bendis model. Mm-hmm. This is, <laughs> this is how I do things. Yeah. What do you think we go from here? So, you know, we've both talked about like, this is kind of the remnants of 5g repurposed into this retooling. What do you think we're retooling for? It's probably not a, like a new 52 flashpoint type thing, but it could be something similar to rebirth. What do you, what do you think after this two months is up? What are we looking at from DC? Honestly, I have no idea because death metal is currently destroying everything. Cool. So, <laughs> which I mean, they're basically doing a crisis right now. Yeah. So once they literally destroyed the multiverse, now they're doing the omniverse. We have omniversal beings fighting it out. Nothing's going to be standing. I don't know what they're going to do at the end. I'm I'm kind of feeling like it's going to be what Rebirth was intended to be and the way Rebirth was pitched as. I think that's what I feel like they're going back to mm. the hopeful era of DC because things have been so dark and bleak since the New Fifty Two. Yeah, like there's been no hope for anybody. <laughs> yeah, and I like that we made a big deal. I actually really like the 
DC Rebirth one shot and Wally West shows up and it's like, I, I, Wally's my flash. And I was like, ah, oh, he's back. And then immediately Tom King gets heroes in crisis. He's like, fuck that shit. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm with you. Like, I think even in this in future state, it's like, Wally's gone crazy and he's murdering people again. <laughs> why is he doing this again? Why is he doing it? And also of all the people, why is it Barry snapping or something? I know he's got a TV show, but just make him snap. Come on. <laughs> also, uh, I don't need him to be connected to Dr. Manhattan. We can just drop, we can just drop all the Watchmen stuff. Like, listen, Watchmen is one of the greatest comics of all time. The end. Let's just let's just let let it lie. I wasn't one of those people that like say it's sacred text, you can't touch it. But at this point, I'm like, we're good. I'm good. We're good. I don't need I, I agree with you on that one. I'm very much in the boat of like, look, I get I get the argument of Alan Moore didn't want it to continue. Cool. Alan Moore signed a contract. DC owns it. As much as it sucks, that's the state it's in. But DC hasn't done anything good with it. Mm-hmm. Like nothing that the only thing that ever came out of anything they've done with it is there was one issue that that Dr. Manhattan spinoff. Yeah. Right. Like that was the only thing I enjoyed. Yeah. Everything else has been like Doomsday Clock is out of continuity. The yeah. Rorschach book is it's okay, but we didn't need any of it. Yeah. Like, they're not doing an amazing job with this. I would I, I think I could make a pretty solid argument for Darwin Cook's Minutemen, but that's solely because it's Darwin Cook and he, yeah. he is great. Uh so that's about the extent of that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I wonder how much, since it is supposed to be, what, 10 years in the future? It's supposed to be 2030 is DC Future State? Uh, I believe so. I thought it was 20 years. I might be wrong, though. I'm wondering if, like you said, I guess the successful characters will get spinoffs. I wonder, like, they've hinted that some of this stuff, it'll probably be a, a Days of Future Past situation where one of the characters goes back and is like, hey... Look out, everybody! Uh, this is happening, and so we'll see some of the the more successful stuff bleed into our main books. I what I'm hoping for is Future State does well enough that it becomes almost like an Ultimate Universe. That's what I my dream would be. Imagine if they like five or six of the characters do well, and they basically do a spinoff series of those characters in 20 years. Yeah. Like they could do their own separate thing. We've got multiple versions of the kids of the Justice League, so yeah. we we could easily just have another one. That's fine. I, I'm a big supporter of that idea. For for a very ever since Spider Verse came out, I've been uh, big on the fact that I think Marvel needs a, a reboot uh, real quick, and they yeah. should bring back like Miles should be in his own universe. So he is the Spider Man. Like he's not playing second fiddle to Peter. He lives in his own universe. Bring back twenty. 29- that has been my complaint. Oh really? So, yeah, my complaint with Miles is that he's not Spider-Man because it just diminishes the character. Yeah, because people always go, he, he's never. Whenever you talk about Miles, you never say Spider-Man. Mm. You say Miles Morales, Spider-Man. You yeah. say Miles. No one ever says Spider-Man, and I feel like that because Marvel does that, they're ruining him. Yeah, because he's such a great character, yeah. but they no one calls him by his proper name. They tried to like he's a rat kid or something. Like, no, 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 no. Put him in his own universe or just kind of give him his own spin. I don't know. Th- think of something. Yeah, like even with Spider Gwen, they renamed her to Ghost Spider. Okay, lame, Fine. lame. Yeah. It's lame. <laughs> she's Spider Woman. She's the Spider Woman of her universe. <laughs> I was just fine, but the book needed a real name. It couldn't always be Spider Gwen. Yeah, <laughs> and it's tough too because because there's that catch twenty two, and you, and you probably feel this too, reading as many comics as you do. Like I would like to see more original characters, but then I also understand like Sideways got canceled. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the, the the new characters, it's it's hard for there's not damage as much- just great. Uh, damage was good. Um, I liked the idea behind Brimstone. I thought Silencer was a really interesting character. Yep. Um, she even got into a TV show. Yeah, and and so it's just hard. The the, the easy money is like, here's this new character, but he's also Spider Man, and it's like you want right. to see, which I think is why we're going to be seeing like uh, the Spider Verse kind of take hold in the in the live action movies, which it feels like this isn't the time. You literally just establish your dude. You're gonna throw in the other dudes too. <laughs> yeah. Um I think Well, I was going to say I think the problem with the new characters is the comic industry as a whole. Yeah. Cuz yeah, that like you're using great example, Damage Sideways Silencer. Those came out and there was no room for them. Yeah. They came out with like 10 books of new characters and they still had like five Batman, four Superman, yeah. two Flash, like they they didn't slow anything else down. So if you're a comic reader on a budget, 
you can't afford new characters and that's yeah. the problem because now they're a risk it's the same argument in the in the gaming industry with new ips yeah. why doesn't it why why is assassin's creed valhalla assassin's creed valhalla, why isn't it just valhalla yeah it's a risk that's the that's the problem yeah. so risks don't succeed and that's why new characters don't succeed that's why i'm excited for future state because yeah. we're trying something <laughs> yeah and it might be an opportunity if it's if, if it's in its own pocket universe that might be an opportunity to introduce new completely new characters not just legacy characters like i thought something yeah. that was really interesting about 2099 is like you, i think i have uh, like one of my x-men 29 2099 comics back here but it's not like wolverine 2099 cyclops 2099 it's new characters it's it's yeah. the x-men but they're all new i mean that would be great because imagine if out of this we get five books for a future state line yeah. which is wonder Woman. i guarantee if they do that wonder woman's going to get a book because that design is incredible people love it uh but like they did future state flash future state batman future state justice league and the justice league has all new characters on it yeah you know what i mean and, and then they just future state anthology stories with like swamp thing and constantine and where where is everyone yeah so we talked a little bit about Miles. We have a question here from STS2884. Why doesn't Miles Morales have more of his own bad guys instead of using Peter? So we talked a little bit. You and I want Miles to be like his, he's his own character in his own world. What do you think we do with these? How do you think we can distinguish these characters and like move them out from under the, the, the shadow of their legacy? And maybe like how can we basically how can we move the superhero genre forward? you need they don't want to do this and they haven't done it in forever they need to age them yeah like imagine like uh, what if, what if the story of bruce wayne was a 20-year story he just finally got old enough and he quit yeah and, and, and moved on to dick grayson and then dick grayson went for 10 years that that's yeah. the, really the only way the problem with comics right now and i love comics is the circular storytelling yeah because damian wayne's a great example that kid has been 13 mm -hmm. for like 15 years now and for every two years he learns the lesson of getting along with everyone and needing friends and what he should do and then the very next issue it's like okay now i'm going to kidnap the teen titans force them to help me and murder villains mm -hmm. you, what you, what <laughs> like he needs to grow past it and comics are scared to do that yeah because we used to like back in the 60s the 80s the 90s people aged yeah. like people forget dick grayson aged out of being robin yep. into nightwing jason todd then was the new robin then he aged out by dying then we <laughs> had then we had tim Drake, it takes like, a toll it takes a toll die <laughs> but like it was around like the late 90s to early 2000s all superheroes just stopped yeah they're like these are the popular characters and that's that yeah. And we haven't gone and it's at first it was fine, you know, but now we're starting to see the toll on people not aging out of their roles. Yeah. It's one thing to just have Bruce Wayne be Batman forever. It's another thing for Damien to be 13 forever. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. And I think Dick Grayson's a great, a great example because you're right. He started off as Robin with a green speedo and the pixie boots. And then yep. he became Nightwing. And then people realized that uh, Nightwing costume sucked and he got a really cool one. And then it stopped it. The whole thing calcified to the point where uh, every time I talk about uh, Dick Grayson, I say like, listen, it's the 21st century. His name is Richard. We can call him anything but Dick, but people don't want to hear that because it's like yeah. that's who you can't change now. Now, even though we're, you're, we're talking about a character that has changed dramatically over the years, that is the bridge we can't cross. And I think I wonder if part of it is the movies, the success of the movies, because I thought the I have never cared about Captain America. And then they're like, Captain America's dying, and Bucky, who was back and who was an assassin, he's going to be Cap, and he's got this cool costume. And unlike the original Cap, he's conflicted. He was a bad guy, and now he's trying to be a good guy, and he reflects the kind of complex understanding we have of, of America now. Dope. Yep. And then there was a Captain America movie coming. They're like, oh, never mind. Steve Rogers is Captain America again. Yeah, yeah exactly. So every, you're not wrong. I, and maybe it is the movies that locked everything kind of in place. Because like what, what happened late 90s? The Batman movies were getting money. The X-Men movies were rolling out. The concepts of superhero movies were kind of locking in. They were all trying to sell their movie rights. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe the movies locked everyone into their current age. But I feel like that's the biggest problem with comics. The Joker was a great example because Batman couldn't kill the Joker at the ending and the Joker couldn't go to prison because we need to have the Joker out there fighting against Batman in about a year. Yep. Like, and that was the problem with the Joker war for me. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's why Black Label works well because we can tell a story, but Jeff Johns took the the three Joker story and just looped it back into, 
all right, there's one joker and mm-hmm. ignore those other two and yeah. that's that. <laughs> Don't think about it too much and we're yeah. just gonna move on from there. But as, like, as time goes on, like I think we just need to start looking at comic books less and less like a continual story because yeah. they, they're not going to end. So you just need to kind of like more enjoy them for popcorn fun. Well, I wonder, you know, looping this back in the future state and looping it back into the restructuring, I think there it, there's been rumbles of new publishing strategies, new stuff like that. Because obviously, you know, as much as you and I love the genre, it is not the most lucrative of genres. No. Uh, and, or, or mediums, excuse me, the comic medium. And I th- It does well. People like to think that it does like shit. Yeah. It does do well, but when you compare it to like, movies and gaming it's like no no even even just normal books it doesn't do that well when you compare it yeah (laughs) and i and i think they're they're probably looking at new way i would imagine we're probably going to see them pare down like like just like future state is like here's your superman books here's your batman books here's some justice league stuff i would imagine the books we're going to see in the future is that and then maybe more experimentation with um uh stuff in digital um uh one shots uh i personally would like to see i know i think tko press has been experimenting with this but where you release graphic novels uh, and then i think like an album like if i were to buy a vinyl album typically that comes with a download code where like yeah you get the download code with the single issues but that's a pain in the ass. So like, I think you should get, like, if I buy a collection of things, I should get all six of those issues. I should get all six yeah. of those chapters. And I think we'll no, see. I, I, I agree with that. I, I like the idea of moving into a digital state. Um, I hate, cause I love print. I do. Yeah, we're, we're in a day and age where print's more and more difficult to get our hands on. Digital's easier. I have my video games digitally now. I have all my movies digitally now. I stopped collecting them just due to the lack of space. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I feel like comic books need to move into more of a prestige format. And the majority of your stories are just all digital. Yeah. And you can be more experimental too, because you don't have to worry about, well, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle that? How are we going to get this one published? Yeah. You can be just enjoy it for what it is. And I feel like that's the direction we need to go in with it. Yeah. And I think just like the vinyl example, like people still buy vinyl because of a sound quality, because of nostalgia, because of all these things. And I think yeah. people like you and me, if you came out with like a, like an absolute edition of all of a digital comic we were enjoying, we would get that if it's, yeah. you know what I mean? So there would still be a market I've done that for, for quite a few actually. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's still a market for that stuff. It just, it just changes the way people consume it. Um, but any, any opportunity to get more experimentation, um, more, uh, new types of stories. Cause like, like you said, if it hadn't been the Joker, they could have literally done anything. If it was a new villain, they could have literally done anything they wanted. And I think that's actually the thing that's gotten me to pick up this new run on Batman is when they're talking about introducing clown hunter or the ghost boy, whatever his name is, uh, go- Ghostmaker. Ghostmaker. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh, new, char- I'll, I'll check out new characters. And maybe that's the secret. Maybe you need to introduce him in the Batman book. I don't know. Well, I mean, honestly, one of the, I think and the people like to conflict uh, argue with me about this one, but I feel like one of the best times in comics was the new 52 because of the first time ever it was, here's a good starting point. Yes. Do you want to know where Batman starts? Come here. Yeah. We might reference some cool stuff in the past and you might not enjoy some of the new storylines, but this is a starting point. Yes. And I do feel like that's part of the problem we're running into. We don't have a lot of starting points. Yeah. Like when you like DC and everyone's going back to legacy numbering, I'm looking at Wonder Woman over here at 765. Yeah. Like if you're a new reader and you go watch that Wonder Woman 1984 movie, you're gonna be like, whoa. Yeah. Well, I I'm not even I can't watch 15 seasons of Supernatural. Exactly. How am I gonna read 700 issues of Wonder Woman? Yep. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a really great point. And and I actually will defend New 52 as well because they also tried things. I think intergr- yeah. integrating the Wildstorm characters like Grifter and and uh, 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 Authority. I thought it, well, uh, execution. We can debate execution, but the idea of introducing <laughs> characters that have a different edge or a different flavor to them into the DC universe, I think, was Resurrection Man bringing back yeah. Animal Man and swamp thing like that the, that rot storyline rot world was incredible yeah like yeah. I, and i think that that level of experimentation it's, it's a bummer that we we lost a lot of those books although i think i saw grifter in the new issue of batman and that excites me uh the idea yeah, of introducing showing up the the milestone characters into that world like obviously there's there's i there's been a lot of discussion in comp, properly compensating those creators which i think is why milestones still in its own little pocket but I'd love to see Static as part of the Justice League. Like, I, yeah. I think that'd be really fucking cool. Uh, Properly, not just put him as like a one-foot note in the back of the latest Young Justice season. Oh, oh, Static. Oh, he's 
I don't know where he's going. Yeah, he's going somewhere, <laughs> but we did see him. Uh, before we wrap everything up, obviously a lot of people are are talking about uh, the Snyder Cut. We've been talking about the movies a little bit. Uh, we did have a question here from Joey. It is a chunky one, uh, so I'm going to try and break it down here. Uh, are you at all worried about the future of the DC movies? Because they've been trying, speaking of experimentation, they've been trying a bunch of new things, but now it's like we're getting the Snyder cut and we're getting where, so now it's like, here's more of the old thing that didn't work, but you know, what, what's happening with the newer stuff like Aquaman Shazam, stuff like that. Uh, how do you think Snyder cut is going to be affecting the future of these movies? I have no idea because I like so I've always been in the ballpark of enjoying like I the Snyder cut to me was always a great idea because you're letting Zack Snyder get his work out there. Mm -hmm. The argument I always had against the Snyder cut is the original version of the Snyder cut that he was pitching was mostly like the Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was like (laughs) hinting at movies that will never exist now. Yes. So I was against that. But it's so like everyone's like Snyder cut Snyder cut. We got to get I'm like, yes, I agree. The man's artwork needs to be out there. But Warner Brothers isn't paying money for that. Well, with HBO Max, they're now giving like a four-hour Snyder cut. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know what they're doing anymore because they're not going to hint at movies that don't exist. He's not going to get the budget to go make completely original movies. No. He couldn't even get the approval for the reshoots he wanted. Yeah. So who knows what's really going to happen to DC. All I want them to do is make solid movies like this new Batman and that Joker movie. And if you want, like, they need to just do what the early Marvel did. Yeah. The small Easter eggs, no heavy linking, mm-hmm. something like a Captain America shield. Like I would love, I like when they did Shazam and it was a guy in the Superman costume. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff we need right now. Yeah. Just give us solid movies. And at the end of five, six years of solid movies, if someone could sit there and be like, oh, they kind of linked together. What if we tried Justice League again? Mm-hmm. I'd be on board with that. I'm okay yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I agree with you. And it'd be especially since when they've individualized these movies, like Aquaman, Birds of Prey, Shazam, Wonder Woman, each of them have such a distinct feel. They're so yeah. different from each other uh, that it's really exciting because as, as impressive as, as Marvel's multi-picture framework, a lot of the movies feel kind of similar. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they that's always my argument. I love the MCU, but like, unless it's one of your all-time favorites, most Marvel movies fall into. I saw that one. Mm-hmm. It, it had my superhero in it. They had some jokes, and here's a joke I remember from it. Yeah, like, and I do like that about the DC because you're right. They all feel different. They're all trying things. Some of them don't work, like the Suicide Squad giant music video. Mm-hmm. But some of them do work, like Joker and yeah. Shazam. So, yeah. and even if it's not might not be your favorite or something, there's still some. I would imagine there's still something to stick with you because, like, I I know some people that didn't. I really enjoyed how batshit crazy Aquaman was, but I but you. Oh, I, I loved it. Yeah, like Lord I, of the Rings in the water. Exactly. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, you don't forget the giant talking squid monster that helped save the day at the end. Like, even if you didn't like no. the movie, that's going to stick with you. You're not going to forget yeah. that. Um, it'll you be- know, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, her egg sandwich still sticks with me. Yep. And I want her egg sandwich. <laughs> also, light spoilers for that movie, uh, Black Mask Scream at the end. That, yeah. <laughs> that little, his little scream sticks with me. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if maybe part of the deal with Snyder coming back and doing the Snyder Cut is there's like, an after credit scene or something with Ezra Miller's flash linking into the flash movie. And maybe like that's feeding. what I'm hoping for. Cause they said Ben Affleck's going to be in the flash movie. And my yes. idea is that the, the, these reshoots that he wanted are going to link in to the, the beginning of the flash movie is going to be flashpoint yeah. with bat Ben Affleck. And when he comes back, it's going to be the new guy for the DCEU or a new guy in general. They'll, they'll somehow imply Ben Affleck's out. Here's our new crew. Yeah, I, man, I kind of hope it's Robert Pattinson. Like, I like the fact that it's, it's, people have said, like, it's its own continuity, but it's like, but it looks good, though. And I wouldn't mind if that Batman was hanging out with other characters. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt if they end up rolling him in if it succeeds. I think right now, because of the success of the Joker, yeah, if it, and, and it being separate, I think they're just everything separate, everything separate. Yeah. If you liked it, we'll talk. Like, (laughs) (laughs) similar to Future State, similar to Future State. It's just like Joker. Joker, they're like, it's a one-off solo Joker movie. And then like Joaquin Phoenix is like, but we could do a sequel. Yeah. You know, like. (laughs) So last question. We got one from Danny M based off our conversation. Would you like to see the air cut of the Suicide Squad? I I hate to say it. Like if if he's got some kind of, like the problem with Snyder cut versus the Whedon cut is Mm -hmm. basically 
it was a completely different vision. Yeah. Like in, in its entirety. Yeah. And, and the way that they pushed out the the uh the way they pushed out Snyder was a whole thing. Yeah. But I don't feel like every time a uh, director leaves due to creative differences or gets fired, we should also give them a movie. Like that should not become the norm. Mm -hmm. And that was my biggest complaint with the Snyder cut. Like as much as I want to see his vision come out, don't make this the norm. Yes. <laughs> well, you talked about the, the fans getting on your case about 5G. I feel like this feeds into that stuff because as, as off, the more we let fans will things into existence, the more demanding they become. <laughs> yeah, you're giving them power. The Snyder Cut came into fruition. It, I would be upset if the Snyder Cut was just going to be like, here's his 10 more minutes. They're turning it into something else, and that I'm happy for. He yeah. gets four hours. It's a series. It's going to be a totally new project, which is what I, I actually I had a fun, a fun argument on a podcast about it. They're like, how do you feel about the Snyder Cut coming out? And I'm like, it's not the Snyder Cut. It's a whole new thing. Yeah. The Snyder Cut was a two-and-a-half-hour movie that we'll never see. Yes, yes, we still, we still will never see. It. I yeah, well, still not going to get that. <laughs> my argument with the Air Suicide Squad is similar to my Snyder cut, cut Snyder cut argument. I cannot tell you a movie of Zack Snyder's that I have just one hundred percent enjoyed. No caveats, just no problems. Right. Similar with David Ayer. I, I I can't think of a movie. So it's like I can't imagine what he would do to change Suicide Squad that would make it any better than any of his other movies. At the end of the day, it'll still be a David Ayer movie, just as like yeah. As Zack Snyder makes incredible trailers. The trailers for his movies are transcendent. And then you see the movie and you're like, ah, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's no, okay. you're not wrong. I mean, I think he's very good visually. I think he's very good with getting he, he I people hate it when I say this too, but I feel like he's very Michael Bay. I don't mm -hmm. hate Michael Bay movies. They yes. make great trailers, they're great popcorn flicks. He does some amazing visual effects and things like that. I love the Transformers movies. Yeah. But it doesn't go down in history as like, man, Revenge of the Fall is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you went straight to Revenge of the Fall, and that movie is trash. <laughs> no, anyway, well, that's uh, why I went, that's why yeah, I went to Revenge yeah. of the Fallen, because like I, if you bring up any other Transformers movie, everyone's like, well, there was this point that was really good. And this was no, no, Revenge of the Fall is what we can all agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, I think I would say Zack Snyder is, is Michael Bay trying to be Christopher Nolan. Like he's shooting for it, but yeah. he's got his thing. He's got his thing. That's it. That's all the questions we have for today. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking Three Jokers, Future State, uh, Snyder Cut with me, all that stuff. Before we go, let the A kids. Lot of fun. Let the kids at home know where they can find you, what you're up to, what they should be checking out. Uh, YouTube comic story. We just talk about comic books. Uh, YouTube comic story and gaming. We make gaming videos and play Dungeons and Dragons. Twitch comic story for podcasts and Twitch comic story and gaming so I can be an idiot. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Well, thank you again for uh, coming on. Thank you, everybody, that was live in the chat with us today. We got Caitlin and Conway coming in at the very end. Hi, Caitlin. Uh, I'm going on a break. I should have said that at the top. Ever since this show began four-plus years ago, we have not missed a Monday with the podcast. We've come out with a new episode every Monday, but for the next two weeks, I want to take this time off. It's been a very hectic year. It's been a challenging year for so many people, including myself, so I thought this would be a good time to just take a little break, recalibrate, and come back refreshed with new, exciting content for you all. We will be back on November 23rd. Uh, obviously, there'll be some stuff sooner than that for patrons on patreon.com slash onlystupidanswers, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for announcements on our Twitter and our Discord. There should be exciting stuff coming up, and I don't want you to miss out on it. If you want to check out our reviews for Lovecraft Country and The Boys, and we're going to have a new review for the first episode of The Mandalorian up at youtube.com slash onlystupidanswers. If you want to support the show or watch it live, you can go to patreon.com slash onlystupidanswers, and you can follow us everywhere that matters at onlystupidanswers, but on Twitter, you're going to want to the vows out of stupid. That's it for me. We'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Have a good one.